I'm thankful for each and every one of you that are here, for the members, for our visitors. Although you've shown up long enough, I'm going to start calling you family, some of you. It's good to see you. We also have a very special guest here today for me, John and Mary Ann Haywood. We've done a lot of ministry together, and it's very good to see them here today. They had their bags packed and ready to move to the country before Colleen and I ever moved up here. And they have been packed for a long time. And two weeks ago, I had the privilege of going down and helping them to move up here. And so I'm very thankful that God is still bringing people out. And uh, sometimes they bring us out, and God has other plans. And so they've also been handed a curveball. And I'm very thankful that you're listening to God and go where God leads. I'm, I'm glad you're listening. Continue to listen. I want to share one other thing before we start. I'm thank you for our pastor. I'm thankful for our pastor. He sent me a text last night. Pastor, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> it says, I'm praying for you as you head into the sermon tomorrow. Looking forward to learning from God's word. Do you pray for your leaders? We need it. I need it. And your leaders are praying for you. And if you would like us to be a little more specific, come tell us something to pray about. And we will pray more specifically for that. But I'm very thankful for what the pastor said. He didn't say he was looking forward to learning from me. Because I really don't have anything to share. He said he's looking forward to learning from God's word. And I learn from God's word also. And I pray today that as we open God's word, that you also will be able to learn something. And that it will be a blessing to you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this Sabbath day, for this opportunity to come to learn about you and learn about your ways. We thank you for the Bible that has never failed, that prepares us for each and every day, and it will take us through to that glorious day when we see you coming in the clouds again. Father, remove all distractions. Focus our attention on you. Give me the thoughts and words that I need to share with your children and teach me as we go throughout the message today. Thank you for loving us and thank you for hearing and answering our prayers according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor started a series last week on Joel. It's three little, three little chapters. And yet, as you know, very powerful things come in little packages. Do not underestimate the little ones. Today we're going to be talking about the day of the Lord. The present is a time of overwhelming interest to all living, ruler and statesmen, men who occupy positions of trust and authority, thinking men and women of all classes have their attention fixed upon the events taking place about us. They are watching the relations that exist among the nations, they observe the intensity that is taking possession of every earthly element, and they recognize that something great and decisive is about to take place, that the world is on the verge of a stupendous crisis. Anybody disagree with that? There's things going on that we've never seen before. There's flooding in Hawaii. As we speak right now, um, Colorado and other places are getting massively uh, snowstorm stumped on them. 
There was fires this past fall, which now in the spring equates to rain in California, which equates to mudslides. We're seeing calamity after calamity and so many things going on. COVID, it has completely altered in one year. We never thought we would be where we're at today. Many people have lost lives because of that. Things are changing like never before. And I praise God because in all of these plagues, I see a new renewed interest in wanting answers. And you and I have golden opportunities like never before. People are wanting to know what's going on. And so just as Pastor shared last week with Joel and about all the calamities and all that, I believe it's happening again today. And so we can go back and learn what has happened in the past and what God will do again in, the, in today. I'm thankful for this church because in this church we definitely believe in God's Word. The Bible and the Bible only gives a correct view of these things, of all the flyers, fires, floods, the many other things that are going on. Here are revealed the great final scenes of the history of our world, events that are already casting their shadows before the sounds of their approach, causing the earth to tremble and men's hearts to fail them for fear. And many people today don't hear answers. They need answers, but they don't see any. They don't have hope, and they don't know where to turn. And I remember several years ago watching a newscast while I was eating lunch, and the newscaster was sharing what was going on, and he got overwhelmed, and he literally passed out on air. Men's hearts failing them for fear. We're years down the road now, but it's still going on. And if ever we needed Christ, today is the day. Joel 1 tells us of some serious times. Palmer worms, locusts, canker worms, caterpillars that have eaten everything. Have you ever seen this when this has happened? They literally eat everything. They will peel every piece of green vegetation off. They will peel the bark off. They will eat the fence posts. They will eat the handles. When the bad locusts come through, it cleans everything. There is nothing left at all. Pastor also mentioned last week that there was hungry animals. Things had gotten so bad there was nothing for the animals to graze on. They were tearing down their storehouses to repurpose the bricks, the building materials. Why would you do that? Because you have no hope that you're going to fill those and use those again, and you're just looking at today. Does that sound like desperate times? It's coming again today. But Joel didn't leave us there, did he? He had a, uh, an answer for that. And pastor, as he finished up last week, what did he call us to? Prayer and fasting. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that later on. Have we ever seen anything like this before in the Bible? Where the animals are hungry, the people are hungry. Not much hope. I like to go back because when I'm faced with a problem today, I want to go back in the Bible and I want to find that same problem. Because the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And we're also told that God doesn't change. So if I can find that problem previously in the Bible from an unchanging God, I will see how he dealt with it then, and I can be confident of how he will deal with it today. Does that make sense? If we look back in time, what about the Egyptians and Israel? Was there a time that they were a bonus, bountiful country, and life was good, and they built the storehouses? And what happened? We're going to find out about that. In Exodus 1.8, in Exodus 1.8, we have, I believe, an explanation for the calamity that came upon Egypt. 
It says, Now there rose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. So if we forget about God, if we choose not to follow God, what can we expect will happen? He still has his hand of protection over us or we would be wiped out. But as we pull out from under God's protection, you can expect bad things to happen. Now, just because you stay under God's hand of protection doesn't mean that, good thing, that bad things don't happen to good people either. Okay? Everyone is in this together, and good people will also suffer calamities and all that. So because you have a calamity doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're good. But we have someone to turn to in Christ who will carry us through this calamity. Babylon had all these multiple gods. They didn't have just one god. You and I, I pray, have one god. Babylon had many gods. And as they began to stand up and to not acknowledge the creator god of heaven and earth, God let their gods do whatever they would. And so God, what happened to their Nile god? Turned to blood. Their animals died. Before the infliction of each plague, Moses was to describe its nature and effects that the king might save himself from it if he chose. Every punishment rejected would be followed by one more severe until his proud heart would be humbled and he would acknowledge the maker of heaven and earth as the true and living God. If you and I never had a problem in our life, honestly, would we ever know God? Would we know what he is capable of? Probably not because we had handled everything. There will come times when we don't have the answers. But praise God, he does. And if you're ever in doubt about that, he is a creator God. He creates. He can create an answer to any problem that you have, including the pestilence, including the famine, and many other things. In Exodus 7, it shows us that God first showed Pharaoh that his messengers were no good. Remember, he called in his magicians to duplicate the different plagues. And they duplicated how many of them? Three of them. And then they weren't able to duplicate anymore. God said, this far and no further. In Ecclesiastes 1.9, it tells us that there's nothing new under the sun. And I find it very interesting that in 2020, many of us had false gods. Dare I say that? How about our sports fans? And God shut down the sports. Wouldn't it be great? You don't have to do this, but wouldn't it be great if we had something advertising for Christ on our back so that you'd know which team I was on? Just an idea. Well, I don't have a football God. I don't have a basketball God. What about a food God? What about this God right here? The restaurants were shut down. This day and time, we probably shouldn't be eating too much processed food. It's not good for us. What about the workaholics? Is that a God? God shut down many of the jobs. Many of the jobs were working from home. And it even came to God's thrift store. And the doors were shut down. And I saw something really amazing happen in this church and in this community. There were those who went and did their own thing. But there were a lot of them that took that extra time to stop and spend with God. 
And brothers and sisters, our safety in the days ahead, our safety in the days when the plagues hit and other things is in spending time with God. Starting your day with God. Talking to Him throughout the day with His leading and guiding. And finishing your day. We don't thank God nearly as much as we should. We need to thank Him more often than we do. I believe that we are living in the hard times again. In Joel 1, we are seeing some of the very things that happened then happen again in our day. I'm thankful for Hebrews 13, 8. Does anyone know what that verse is? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Through the same way Joel told the people to get through will get us through in the days ahead. It is a time for prayer and fasting and searching of what is in our individual hearts and what God's specific plans are for you and I as we prepare for the day of the Lord. Does prayer and fasting change God? That was a question. No, not at all. Does it get his attention? No, honestly, no. Why do we pray and fast? It changes us. It changes me. It helps me to hear God more clearly. Now, you also need to read his word while you're doing that because this is how he talks to us, one of the ways that he talks to us. So don't just pray and fast because you'll be hungry. Spend time in God's word and get his message that he has for us. Let's go to Joel 2, verse 18. Joel 2, verse 18. We're pretty much going to stay here for the rest of the the service. Joel 2, 18 says, Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Has God taken his eyes off of his people in Joel? No, he sees what's going on, doesn't he? He's taking pity on them. He's jealous for them. Is jealousy a bad thing? Trick question, isn't it? The jealousy that you and I experience today is almost always bad. But there is a good jealous also, a godly jealous, where we truly have someone else's best interest at heart. And so God has a righteous jealousness that I'm very thankful for, and he doesn't forget his people. As we go through today, Joel 2, 18 through 32 Joel 2, 18-32 is God's merciful response to the praying and fasting that the priests called for in the previous verses. Was it just the priests who were praying and fasting? pastor was pretty specific about this last week, wasn't he? It was for the new bride and groom even. It was for everyone. He mentioned King Jehoshaphat. Who was included in that prayer and fasting? The newlyweds? The children? And if you look at that, the animals, it was serious. Don't wait until we get in serious trouble to seek a serious response from God. Where is rock bottom at? Have you ever thought about that? Where is rock bottom? It is wherever you quit digging, wherever you turn and give this to Christ. Rock bottom can be right here today without so much as a stub of a toe. Some people say that I have an awesome testimony. 
My testimony shows you that I am hard-headed, that I continued to dig, but God was merciful and he came after me. It wasn't necessary. Let's stop and do things God's way and do them now. Let's do the prayer and the fasting and let's see what God has for us. Prayer and fasting makes us more receptive to God's leading and working in our lives. Verse 19. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil. Ye shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. That which the locusts had taken, corn, wine, and oil, the Lord will restore. God can do that even now in your life today. Have you asked him? I've learned in my life that when God allows something to be removed from my life, primarily I've learned that it was no good for me. But there's been some good things that I've questioned why he took them out. And you know what I learned? He wants to replace them with something bigger and better. Sometimes that happens here today. And some things will happen later on when we get to heaven. Not everything is going to be replaced with bigger and better before we get there. Some people have suffered some pretty substantial losses. But there is a day coming when God will restore what's been taken. Verse 21. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. The locusts have cleaned out everything, and God is going to restore it again. We're told to give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's difficult. And I struggled with that one, as some of you know. I'm not to give thanks that my best friend has died, but I'm to give thanks to God for that situation And through that situation, I was able to witness to a whole lot more people than I could ever witness to when this individual was alive. It's difficult, but look in these rough times. There's something there that we can find and praise God for. And as we praise Him, He does even more, and we have more to praise. And besides that, an attitude of praise is a lot better on the mind and body than is grumpy, upset. It's difficult, but as you get to know God, as you learn of Him and learn of His ways, He's love like I've never seen before. He's merciful like I've never seen before. And the best thing is, because I don't always have a plan, I find that God has a plan. Nothing catches Him by surprise. Joel 2.22 Well, let's see, in verse, um, yeah, 22. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Have you ever thought about that? It's springtime. And I've I've always appreciated springtime. I, I like to fall until God showed me what was really going on all the death and all that, and I was celebrating death, and I said, whoops. Okay, even in death, there's still beauty. But what about the springtime? Our trees have little bitty tips on them, and they're a light green. 
Our fruit trees are, are just starting to get a little bud on them. Who gives that increase? Is that me? Is that the watering and the pruning? I haven't pruned them, so it's not that. It's God. It's God that does that. If God watches over that tree, if God watches over that vine, and we'll grow the grapes, we'll grow the fruit, how much more do you think He's watching over you and I who, were, who was created in His image? If God cares for the animals, and he just, he just mentioned it right here, be not afraid, ye beasts of the field. Have you ever thought about God caring for the animals before? The depth of His love? If He cares for the animals, how much more you and I? How much more those around us? And He will give the bonus to the growth. That's the natural. From a beautiful book called Christ Object Lessons, I've learned as in the natural, so in the spiritual. This is God's work. We have evangelism coming up. I pray that you're not going out just to bring people to the meetings. I pray that you actually care about them, that you care about God's children, that you want to share with them the answers from God's word that he has for them. This isn't a numbers game. This is life and death. And God would like to give the increase again in a spiritual sense. And I would like to be a part of that. And I'm sure that you would also. Verse 23 says, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he giveth you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. When was the former rain? Do we know? Acts 2. Thank you. Always a biblical answer. If we don't know it, we need to go look for it. Acts 2. Let's go to Acts 2, verses 1 through 5. Acts 2, 1 through 5. I like to get a big picture when I'm looking at this stuff so I can really see what's going on and not get focused on one little point. Acts 2, verses 1 through 5. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Did you catch that? I've heard many times people say, we want unity. And respectfully, I disagree. We want unity in Christ. There is a difference. We want unity in Christ. They came together. They were all with one accord and in one place. Verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each one of them. Do you know that the Bible calls God's ministers, ministers of fire. Satan would have you believe that the wicked are going to burn. And it's actually you and I that are supposed to be on fire for God. You and I are supposed to be burning for God. The difference is it won't consume us if we're on fire for God. Verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven, Pastor shared God's command before. What is it? Matthew 24. Go 
and share the gospel with who? All. Now, how can I do that? Fortunately, that's not my problem. Who said to go and to share with all? God did. And look what he's done here. He's shared with all. Verse 5. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of, what's the two words? Every nation. Isn't that amazing? We many times think we have to carry this out and we have to do this. Follow God's plan. It's so much easier. It's so much simpler and it works so much better. God brought men from all nations there so that his word could go back out again. And he will do it again today. As these men received and women received the early rain, there's many around there who think that they're drunk, who don't understand what's going on. And when you do God's word, many times there will be comments made about you. People will misunderstand. We shouldn't retaliate when that happens. And this week I did retaliate, and I've had to go back and apologize for that. As your leaders, we're not perfect. I am not perfect. But I want God to work in my life. I need his leading and guiding in my life. Let's drop down to, I'm still in Acts 2. Let's drop down to verse 14, because Peter is going to tell us what's going on. Acts 2, 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. Should we pay attention to the book of Joel? Friends, if it's in the Bible, we should pay attention to it. But we should pay special attention to God's prophets. There's a lot of wisdom and direction there that would save us a lot of heartache. So I'm thankful that we're going through this book and that we're actually looking at this to see God's plan. I'm in verse um, 17, Acts 2, 17. And it shall come to pass in the what? The last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Who's left out? Friends, God doesn't leave anyone out. No one, including these precious little children that came up here this morning. God has plans for them. And I'm thankful for the parents who are leading and guiding these children Look to God. Ask for wisdom. But I believe the youth especially are going to play a very important role in the days ahead before Christ's second coming. 17, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Verse 19, and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. 20, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. What does that say? Verse 20, the sun shall 
be turned into darkness? Is that past, present, or future? It's future, correct? If I ask you today, is there a day that the sun has been darkened, that the moon has turned to blood, what's your response? Where is that now? It's in the past, is it not? Just for fun, I went to the internet and I typed in sun, darken, moon, blood. Guess what popped up very first thing? Acts 2. Do you know what that day was? I believe it was May 19 of 1780. That's almost 241 years ago. That is a sign of the day of the Lord. Do you realize that we're getting closer and closer? That some of these signs that God gave us actually happened a pretty good while ago? We're on borrowed time. I do not want you focusing on time. I want you focusing on the Creator who is coming back for you and I. And I made this mistake a few years ago, and I told a guy about the future and about Christ coming, and I put his salvation in the future. And unfortunately, he passed. And he never saw what we're seeing today. So today, if you hear God's voice, today is the time to follow Christ. Pay attention to what he said, but don't let the end days be your focus. Do not be afraid. God has a plan. Let's start our day with him, and let's end our day with him. The amazing thing to me is that Joel prophesied 2,500 years before this dark day and a blood moon. Does that tell you anything? It tells me that God knows what's going on. And he told Joel to say this, and though it took a while, approximately 2,500 years, it came to pass. And so when God talks about us through Joel, his prophet, and through others about the day of the Lord, what can you be assured of? Has it come to pass yet? Will it come to pass? It will. Absolutely it will. You can have confidence in that. In Matthew 24, 14, Matthew 24, 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Who's left out? All the world. All nations. Nobody is left out. Friends, if you and I are doing God's work and someone is left out, It's time for some serious heart searching because God doesn't leave out. We have to reach out to everyone. Is the gospel going to the entire world today? I believe it's coming really, really close, if not there. How many of you would have liked to have witnessed to this communist head of the army? Anybody want to go talk to him? How about his witch? Anyone want to go take on a witch? Go talk to her maybe? Friends, God is doing it. He had a friend send him a video. I just stand in awe that the witch comes in. God is still overruling and protecting because she said her magic is better than mine. Now her magic is not sleight of hand. Her magic is a creator God. I have seen at a Revelation seminar, I was working the table, And two beautiful ladies came in and they filled out the car and it got down to their religion and they wrote Wiccan. And I thought to myself, shame on me, I thought, 
what are they doing here? Does God care about them too? All nations, all people. Why are we excluding? I've had to change my thinking. I cannot exclude. I can't find where God excluded. And even Judas, if you want an interesting study, look at Judas' life. Even when he betrayed Christ with the kiss, the last chance that Christ had, he didn't kick the dust on him and say, you're lost. He reached out to him. Friend. Friend. Why betray us the Son of Man with a kiss? If Christ doesn't exclude, you and I shouldn't. Many ministries, not just AWR, many ministries are reaching out and truly the gospel is going to the world. How many of you read, well, I'll say it anyways. How many of you read Pastor's email that he sent out? Good. I'm glad to see that because he's actually here today. (laughs) Did you see the part where he was talking about his plants and the little plants poking through the ground? My wife is planting plants also. Our kitchen table has become a garden. It is so exciting to watch God give the increase. You go to bed, the ground might be broken, but you're not sure. And when you get up in the morning, there's eight plants poking their little heads through the, through the ground. Friends, before we plant those in the ground and before I watered them, if there was a weed in there, would I continue to water that? The former rain was poured out. The latter rain is going to be poured out on God's people again. We need to get serious with God. Many of the signs of Christ's second coming have already been fulfilled. Don't focus on the signs, but focus on Christ who is coming. Let's look at Acts 2.21 before we head back. It says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that? Amen, I believe it too. There is one minor problem here. If you don't call on Christ in the morning when you wake up, if you don't call on Christ throughout the day, if you don't call on Christ in the evening today, thanking Him for helping you through a day and spend that time with Him, do you think in the day of the Lord that you will remember to call out to Him? I'm not so sure that it would happen. Do you remember the children of Israel in the wilderness when they were getting bitten by serpents? If serpents just fell out of the roof today and surrounded us, and God said, look and live, would it be easy to, dis- to not pay attention to those serpents and to look at Christ? If you've been doing it every morning throughout the day, and in the evening, it will be reflex. It will be habit. It will be the way that has always worked for us. And no matter what drops around us, no matter what's going on, what will our first intent be? To look and to live. I challenge you today, the good day was yesterday. Tomorrow's going to get rougher. Most of us have been around long enough to see this now. Today, while it's still good, while it's still easy, choose Christ. Start your day with Him. Call on Him. Call on Him throughout your day. Call on Him in the evening time. And no matter what tragedy comes across your path, no matter what plague or bump or whatever it is, no matter what happens, what will be your first response? To cry out to God again. 
And who only has the answers that you and I are searching for? Christ. Many, many before us have been looking for Christ to return and take us home again. From Adam and Eve, when they were put out of the garden, down through the history to Joel, and even farther down to John, the writer of Revelation, and now to you and I. Have you realized that many of the things written in the Bible were written for this day that you and I are living in? God has blessed us with the privilege of seeing the Scriptures fulfilled. Everything the writers were looking for, you and I are watching being fulfilled today. Now with that awesome blessing comes an awesome responsibility because it's not just for us. It's for others. And if we're selfish and I'm preparing me for heaven but I'm not doing anything else, do you think I can get to heaven and tell God, I'm good, I'm done, I'm here. Do you think he brought anyone across my path that we should be sharing with? Wouldn't it be great to have a a mixed multitude all together and Christ looks out and is like, wow, all of you, welcome, well done, good and faithful servants, come home. What about our children? That's a tough one. Continue to pray for our children. Claim God's promises. He promises to bring our children from the, from the north and south. He will bring them back to us again. As long as they're living and breathing, we don't give up on anyone. Let's go back to Joel. I actually believe that today, Sabbath day, is a mini day of the Lord. You and I can come together today and we can meet with Christ. You can meet with him any day, but Sabbath is a special day. It's a day that he blessed. If you will, he's cleared his schedule for you and I, and he invites you and I to come and worship with him. It's a very special day. If he has cleared his schedule and made a spot, I would like to come and see him that day. What happens if I show up on another day? He's still there, but a lot of the blessings that we could have received on the Sabbath aren't there. And so I want to I follow God. I want to prepare, and I want every Sabbath to be right. When Sabbath comes, I don't want to come sliding in the driveway and unload the truck. I want to have already sat down. I want to already be studying God's Word. I want to be calling out to Him and spending time with His Word. And if that is our daily habit, one day when Christ returns, guess what we'll be doing? We'll be calling out to God. We'll be going on His errands. We'll be spending time with Him, and we'll look up, and there He is, praise God. And we'll be ready to go home. But you will not in that day cry out if you have not already been crying out. Let's go to Joel 2, 25. Joel 2, 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, my great army which I sent among you. So does God allow bad things to happen sometimes? It's for correction. But even then we see in Job where he has a hedge of protection around us. You see Job going through trials, and you also see Satan crying. I can't get to him. You still have a hedge of protection around him. I'm thankful for the book of Job because God never pulls his hand entirely back. 
He does pull it back. He will allow things to happen, but he still has his hand over us. He is still protecting us or Satan would take us out. And I'm thankful that God is working on this, that he is trying to strengthen our faith in him, to build our trust in him. Verse 26, and you shall eat in and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dwelt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. As Christians, we're going to go through rough times. We have nothing to be ashamed of. We have the answers in Christ Jesus and in his word. And if it doesn't work out today, there's coming a time when he will restore what's been taken. Verse 27, And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. Isn't that beautiful? Verse 28, This is something that's not very much talked about. And I think that's probably of Satan's desire. God has promised us, Jesus has promised us the Holy Spirit when he left. A teacher, a counselor, comforter. Satan doesn't want you to know about that. But I want you to know, and God wants you to know, that you have a comforter. In this day and time, there's probably not a one in here that doesn't need comfort. It comes from God. If we would be honest, there's probably not one in here today, including me, who doesn't need a counselor. God's given us the Holy Spirit. There will be no excuse. He's done everything he can to draw us to him. Verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit upon, what's that next word? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids, in those days will I pour out my spirit. Who's left out? Nobody. This is for everyone. Continues on in verse 30. And I will show wonders in the heaven and the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. We've already discussed that. That is no longer future, is it? That's now past. We're that much closer to Christ's coming. This sign happened a long time ago. Verse 32. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, what's those next three words? Shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Now I'm very thankful and very encouraged as I read the Bible that there is always a remnant. Give me a definition for remnant. That which was cut off, that which was left over, it's of the same, correct? Isn't that understanding? That is not what this is. This remnant has a different root word. It should get our attention. If you surface read, you won't know it. I challenge you to go back and look at this. If you look here and you look at Isaiah 1.9, it says the word remnant, but the root is different. Do you know what this remnant means? This is serious. God is trying to warn us. He is trying to prepare us. Remnant here means escapees or survivors. Verse 
Does that sound serious? It does to me. But praise God, there will be escapees who don't succumb to Satan. There will be survivors for these plagues and for what's going on. I'm very thankful because if God didn't tell us that someone could go through, I would be concerned because I don't think I can. And the truth is, I can't. But my Bible also says I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. And if I or you will join with Christ, you and I can go through this. We can be a survivor. We can be an escapee. Which leads us to our next decision, to our next discussion, the valley of decision. Many are in the valley of decision right now. Before Christ returns, all of us, including myself, will be taken through the valley of decision. I pray that each and every day that you choose Christ, and if you choose Christ each and every day, when Christ returns, we will still be choosing Christ. Would you like to know more about the day of decision? You'll have to come back next week. Pastor's going to share that with you. Friends, do not take your eye off of God. Learn His way. Read His words. And we're going to be okay.